0: Welcome to the Group Home Riches Podcast. If you have the desire to be your own boss, create your own schedule, and become financially free while at the same time helping people in need, then you've come to the right place. At grouphomeriches.com, we teach people exactly like yourself how to get started in the group home business, and on this podcast, you're going to hear their stories firsthand. Hey, we're going to be doing a podcast with Andy. He's the founder of Group Home Riches. He's been in the business for, it's almost 20 years now, right? Is it 20 years?
1: Yeah, you got it.
0: Ask Um, away. Ask us what your questions are. So I have a list of the most common ones. And then if we have time, we'll just kind of go through here. There's always like good questions being asked and situations that people are going through. So If we answer all the questions and have time, maybe I'll I'll go through and we'll just kind of, I'll pick out some good freestyle ones. Before we get into that though, do you want to give everybody an update on what's been going on with the group home business?
1: Yeah, I, I think the best way for me to describe what's happening right now is, again, whether you're in Texas, like we are, New York, California, Florida, Ohio, Oklahoma, it doesn't really matter. Nine out of 10 people when they get up in the morning to drive to the office or when they're driving over to the local grocery store, you are seeing homeless people on every single street corner. So there is a huge problem that is surfacing throughout the nation. It doesn't matter where you are, whether it's a liberal state or a conservative state, chances are you're seeing this. And there's a huge demand for this type of housing, and there really is not that much supply. I mean, people are not doing what we are doing. So for example, like right now, and we have various homes for various demographics, but like our competition is fading away. A lot of our competition, especially in in one segment of the group home business that we operate, these guys were going after like a higher demographic, a higher price demographic. I think they were charging $1,500 a month. And so they went out and they bought these big expensive homes. These guys are at like 30, 40% occupancy right now. So it doesn't work. But our model, which is really more the affordable housing model, where you're charging, you know, 500 to 1000 bucks a month per bed. I mean, we've got more demand than we can handle. In fact, one of my uh, house managers had a few meetings yesterday with like a transitional care home provider, transitional housing provider. And, you know, these guys have got more people coming to them, strung out on all sorts of drugs. And then they get off their, their rehab or whatever, and they need a place to live. And So we're looking for more houses right now at the moment. So we're and adding more properties.
0: Yeah. A couple months ago, everything was just kind of stabilized, but you, you decided to kind of scale up and get into the sober living kind of niche, correct?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I think at the very beginning of COVID, there was a lot of like, okay, people were scared. They were staying in. But I think people are realizing now, okay, yeah, COVID's bad, especially if you're overweight or you're obese, elderly, things along those lines. But the real big problem right now is that people are losing their jobs. And so you've got shutdown throughout the entire United States, especially in in certain areas. And so people don't have work. And if they do have unemployment insurance or pandemic insurance, sure, they're sitting at home playing Netflix and they're getting their money every week or every two weeks. But that is a depressive mindset to live in. And so we are seeing, at a lot of these treatment centers, we are seeing a huge surge in demand at the treatment centers because people are drinking more, they're using more drugs, and once they get done with treatment, they got to have a place to go. And So where are they coming? Who are they calling? They're calling us.
0: And you filled up one property, pretty much it opened right when COVID hit, so that- Did that property just shut down or what happened with that? Oh,
1: no, 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 no. That thing's at full occupancy. I mean, you guys, <laughs> right. I, I want to say, didn't we do a video recording on that one, Brandon?
0: Yep. Well, I'm just kind of a facetious at question yeah. just for, for people that maybe didn't catch that video or we did have a lot of people that we had a lot of questions, you know, wondering if, if it's even allowed to start a group home now and if, if anybody is having success and yeah, you know, like you said, more leads than you could handle. You filled up that first property. It's now on to property number two in that niche, right?
1: uh, No, we're already on property number one, two, three. We're on number four right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, and and you have one operational manager that's kind of looking to scale that niche, right?
1: Yeah. And and he, he wants to keep building it up and I'm all for it. The big issue right now that we have, and I have a lot of properties that you know, I can keep turning over. But the big issue that I've got right now is that all the courts are shut down depending on the county you're in and the city that you're in. But in this particular city, the courts are shut down. So even if I tell the people that are living in these properties, hey, here's a 60 day notice to vacate, like, you know, they can pretty much flip me the bird and not leave. So our big issue right now is just kind of waiting out this whole COVID thing, and then once the courts open back up and I feel comfortable, I'll tell the people, hey, you know, I'd like to politely ask you to leave. And again, I mean, I have really good relationships with all my tenants that are non-group home tenants. And so I want to be polite to them and everything else. I don't want to just 30-day notice them right now because a lot of these folks, they've been with me for a long time. So I want to be able to help them find another place and whatnot. But the game plan is we just keep on turning over rental properties into in the group homes because it makes more sense so
0: that'll kind of segue into the ask me anything section perfectly one of the like the second most popular question that we got is somewhat relating to that so we had a lot of questions like very specific ones but they're all relating to negotiating with landlords so deborah asked you know how to negotiate a land contract the owner wants x amount Years of selling price, yada yada. When we had a couple other specific questions like that, and why it's a segue, I know you had mentioned it. You guys were actually thinking of leasing a property just because yeah. you don't have any vacant rental properties right a- now.
1: Absolutely, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually emailed or texted this one guy that I know that does have something, it's a rental house in a nice neighborhood. I texted him this morning. I said, Hey, do you still have that property? He said, Yes, we do. Now, mind you, Like It's a pretty hot market, but people really aren't moving because of this whole coronavirus thing. So this is probably a month and a half ago that I had reached out, or he actually reached out to me. He's like, hey, because he knows that I operate these group homes. He's like, hey, I mean, that is how stable this environment is. I mean, we have landlords reaching out to me, and they know that I own a lot of property, and they want to rent to my group home business.
0: Now, so Deborah asked like a very specific question like with the details Honora asked how do you do an 80 20 split like you know a straight up partnership with the landlord but the numbers are going to vary like that's just all about negotiating right
1: yes so, absolutely
0: but the main points are going to be the same so we can't really get into like the details of like how to work out an 80 20 split or a 50 50 split that's just whatever each party agrees to you just put that on paper In legalese (laughs) but as far as negotiating with landlords you have to kind of overcome those first couple initial objections which is what a lot of people struggle with why would a landlord even think you know why would they even listen to you or even more you know why are they actually come seeking you out what is in it for a landlord to work with a group home operator
1: yeah so let me answer the question so this guy I've known this guy for probably 10 12 years he knows what I do He knows that, you know, we run a solid ship basically. So he texted me, apparently he's got a rental property. Maybe it's, I don't know if he had a turnover in it or something like that. But typically on a normal rental property, you're going to have a turnover every year or two. And every time you have a turnover, it's a vacancy. It costs you a lot of money. So his attitude is, hey, why don't I reach out to Andy and ask him if he'd be interested in operating a group home out of my property? Why? Because number one, I'll probably have 10 to 16 people living in the property They're all going to be paying, you know, bare minimum, $500 a month, bare minimum. It's going to be more than that. Just to, to make the math easy. I mean, if we have 16 people living in a property, that's $8,000 of gross revenue coming in per month. Like the guy knows without a doubt that I'm going to pay the rent. It's like guaranteed versus if he has a regular old guy that works at, you know, at a car wash or a software company or a restaurant or something like that living in his property that guy could lose his job and he's toast versus if he's running it to me you know and he charged me two thousand dollars a month just for sake of argument he knows well andrew's got you know andy's got got 16 people living in the property even if three of them can't pay for whatever reason he still has another 13 people that are going to be paying rent so he knows without a doubt in his mind that the money's gonna come in. So that's why he's reaching out to us.
0: So let's just say for, you will probably, is he gonna ask you the market rent? Is he gonna charge you extra? Is he gonna ask that
1: That's a really good question. I mean, we spoke once probably two months ago. Quite frankly, I think what he wants to do, he probably wants a piece of the pie. That's my thought process because he already knows how lucrative these things are. So he's probably gonna want rent and a little piece of the action. And i'm not going to do that you know i would just say hey you know we'll rent it you know we'll just rent it
0: so that's where it comes down to negotiation I recommend people just read a basic book on a negotiation but it depends on what each party's needs are right so if you were let's rewind maybe not 20 years but maybe 25 years ago when you were on a tighter budget you don't yep. have rental properties at your disposal. You might be willing to give up some of your profit in the beginning to get things going, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so much of it really just boils down to your, you know, your leverage, right? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I at mean, this point, you could just tell this person, it "Kick rocks." You know, I'll, I'll just wait yeah. and, and wait yeah, for I'll one just, of my other wait, properties. Yeah, I'll, I'll,
1: to... just, I'll just wait it out because I can't. I don't need to take down that property. We don't need to lease that property. Yeah, it'd be nice. We can make an extra probably three, 000, four thousand bucks a month, which is quite frankly, I mean, it's a lot of money, but I don't need to do that. So but a lot of it really just boils down to leverage what position you're coming from. But if you're a newbie and you find a landlord like myself or like this guy, and the guy says, Yeah, hey, I'll rent you my four bedroom home for a thousand bucks a month, give me access to the books, and I'd like twenty percent of the net profit. You know, and if the net profit's $4,000 a month and, and you're paying the guy 800 bucks, and you get to pocket the other 3200 why wouldn't you do it? It's a good deal.
0: Exactly. And the, you know? the key phrase there was, was leverage. So yeah, if you guys out there are trying to start with yeah, absolutely no money, you know, you may have to do like a 50-50 split or… Uh, We've done a couple podcasts on this, and we have a full guide in the gold course with a full script telling you exactly what to say, but it really comes down to the approach and what is in it for the landlord. So the specific landlord already understands it. If you're out there reaching out to new landlords, you're probably going to have to do some education, but the main points are, you know, just think of the downfalls that your typical renter has. They may call a lot. They may move out in six months to a year. They might not be making enough income to even pay the bills. So Mm -hmm. right there, those are three benefits right off the top. You're going to be there for Uh, a long time.
1: Yeah, I'll give you an example from yesterday. One of my new house managers called, and I say, this is that newer demographic that we're kind of going after. Uh And he's like, yeah, we've got a, a little bit of a rat problem over here. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really care. You know, I don't mean to be rude, obviously, like, but these guys know that that's their responsibility, but he was just asking me for advice. Hey, how do you recommend handling it? But he wasn't asking me to handle it. Okay. Yeah. So that's the big difference, right? I mean, if it's a normal tenant and the tenant calls me they say, "Hey, I have a rat problem. Well, the reality is you have a rat problem because it's, it's gross over there. You're probably leaving your stuff all over the place. You're not cleaning up after yourself. Start cleaning up after yourself. But nine times out of ten, they're going to tell me, hey, Mr. Landlord, it's your responsibility to send over a pest control company. Versus when it's a group home, you're not going to hear any of that stuff, right? If you're the landlord, you're not going to hear any of that stuff because the operator is going to take care of everything.
0: And that's one negotiating chip I recommend you put on the table. So, hey, how about if I handle all the miscellaneous maintenance calls?
1: You're, it's basically a triple net lease. You're never going to hear from me. So one of the guys that we've interviewed on, I think I've interviewed him, and we've got him on the, the YouTube podcast or whatever, he didn't want to actually be a group home operator. He wanted to be a landlord. So I kind of instructed him, and we coached him and everything else, and he went out into his little area, and he found some people that were running these, these homes primarily for uh, battered women. And, you know, he's got a fourplex and the thing's paying him like $2,500 a month, like clockwork. He's had it for two or three years. He's never once received a phone call. Not once. They've never called him to say, hey, we got, you know, ants. They've never called him to say, hey, we need a roof repair. There's a roof leak. They take care of everything. And so that's why he went that route.
0: You know which one I'm talking about, though. I do. Um, 9K a month from providing shelter to women in need, if you guys want to check out that video. But, yeah, we've done a couple podcasts on that, and we really kind of beat that to death. But the main point that a lot of people miss out on is Andy's in the position where he, you know, as soon as he gets a home, it's going to be filled up. You need to be in that position. It's going to come down to marketing. A landlord is going to want to know that you're going to be able to follow through with what you need to do. So if I were a landlord and someone were to approach me, I would ask them, okay, how many tenants do you have lined up? I don't know them. Well, how are you going to market? Well, I'm not really sure about that yet. You're going to get the phone hung up on you. (laughs) you,
1: The the most important thing is do you have a website?
0: Yeah. Do do you have a website? do Do you have a business? And really, the person that exemplifies this probably the most is uh, William, our last podcast. And this was just a blip on the podcast. We didn't spend a lot of time on it because we didn't need to. He had 72 people on his waiting list before he went to find a property. And it was a no-brainer for that landlord to rent to them. It took them like a week to find a property. So if you lay that groundwork, lay that foundation, negotiating with landlords is not going to be hard. You know, there's people out there, we just mentioned two of them that have come to us directly that are looking for operators like this. So get your business set up, get the foundation, do your marketing, and you need to become an asset, basically not a liability, and you'll find the property. So. Number one, the most common one, I guess it's one because to be honest, we don't have a ton of information about it in the gold course, just because it can vary so much. And we're not experts in this field. What type of insurance do you need?
1: So what you're really going to need is you need a business liability policy for the actual business. And then if you own the real estate, you need a separate policy for your real estate, which is just going to be your standard property casualty insurance policy.
0: And that's it. That's why we don't have a very long video on it in the gold course or anything like that. And this is also something that, you know, we're not insurance representatives. We're not insurance agents or anything like that. But if you were to approach an insurance agent and let them know what you're doing, they're going to walk you through the products that are available and the ones that are best
1: suited for you. Yeah, so. and they'll have access to a bunch of different carriers. We have used over the years a wide variety of carriers. We'll switch back from, from one to another, primarily on the business side. I mean, the property casualty stuff, it's all getting reinsured at the end of the day by Lloyd's of London, typically. But Philadelphia has been a, been a good one for us. I'm driving right now, so I don't remember who we're, who we're with right now. But we've sent them out before. In fact, I think the one that we've got right now is a subsidiary of one of uh, Buffett's Insurance
0: companies. I think you know, that's Philadelphia.
1: We've had Philadelphia in the past. I can look actually while I'm driving.
0: But Philadelphia is one that we would always recommend to people, but they now require one year of seasoning. Oh, so, okay. yeah, we, we had a Gold Course member that does group homes now that was in insurance. He was like a okay. in the insurance field, and he just recommended using a company called NetQuote.com. Okay it's basically like a third party that does the shopping for you, kind of like Priceline, but for insurance. Got it. So that's one of those things where it kind of sounds confusing. So I Just, was
1: on there on my phone scrolling around, but I think it was causing the voice to go in and out, so I decided against it. But
0: okay. you can always
1: call us. You know, you can call, yeah. person, call myself. You can email but, us, and we can check yeah. for you.
0: Check out NetQuote.com. Check out uh, Philadelphia Insurance if you do have some experience in the field, and we're we're happy to like provide you those links. But definitely consult with an insurance agent; they're the experts in that field. And it's one of those things that you don't need to be an expert in insurance. You know, you don't need to know every product and everything like that. It's just something something that you're gonna have for protection. But hopefully, that answers that question. Number three, this is a really good question. I am not even 100% sure on the answer myself. So the main source of revenue for your group homes are the housing fees for providing housing, right?
1: Yes, correct.
0: Are there any other streams of income that you get from your group homes? And if not, are there any possible other streams of income?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of other additional ancillary Areas where you can make money, whether you're talking insurance, whether you're talking urine tests. So, yes, there are a wide variety of other ancillary income streams for you in this business. But for us, the primary source of income is actually the just call it rental fees.
0: And just back to like the gold course and what we teach, we do keep it simple in the gold course and in our business as well. So Basically, everything that we outsource, you could essentially set up a business for to create more streams of income. It's just, with every business, there's that legwork in the beginning. Some require a lot more legwork than others. Getting a house, setting it up, and marketing is one of those things that's not a lot of legwork.
1: Right. and, And I'm kind of a rinse and repeat sort of guy, so you know, I try to keep everything really, really, really simple. I don't have a background in healthcare, so... I haven't really gone that route. I've had pharmaceutical people approach me and they say, okay, what sort of pharmaceutical drugs are your clients typically taking on a daily basis? And what they've wanted to do is somehow line up a doctor and then take that doctor and have that doctor prescribe these generic drugs to our clients. And then somehow that third party organization would be able to pocket the difference between the generic fees of the drugs and what the drugs actually sell for so I've never done that though but there's a lot of additional ways to make money
0: if you listen to our podcast with Vanessa she's a gold course member she's kind of built upon you know our basic model but she does very similar to us she leases a property or its owner finance something like that she gets a government check for providing housing to kids who are aged out of the foster care system. That's what we teach people to do in the gold course. But then on top of that, she also has a case management company and a job relocation company.
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: But those are two other like completely different ball games that are a little harder to start than the group home business.
1: But the good thing with what she's doing is that they are ancillary businesses and they're fueled from the exhaust of her primary business, which is group homes.
0: Right, I would say another stream of, maybe not income, but kind of another business you can combine with this is real estate investing.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: So, you know, a lot of people that find us have also looked into real estate, you know, they might've looked into flips or wholesaling or buying and holding. Really, the key to that is being able to find a deal. So if you can find a deal, fix it up rather than flip it, you can hold on to that property, have a ton of equity in the home, and then run a cash flowing business out of it.
1: Yep. That's the real That's the real secret.
0: So yeah, once you learn those two skills, I call it like the McDonald's model, right? Yeah. Yeah. So great questions. Another one. Again, it's a really simple answer, but I can see why there's some confusion on it. But how do you handle
1: deposits? We take them in and we don't keep them in a separate account. We don't keep them in a deposit escrow account. We take them, we deposit them, and if people screw up, they don't get their deposit back.
0: In theory, probably should be held in a different account, right?
1: (laughs) It depends on your state in texas it is not required so
0: not required might be a little easier for the books it might be required in your state and if let's say someone's paying well they're not self pay but they're on social security and they're going through your rep payee company but they only have one check you can honor like a move-in special and waive the deposit for them correct
1: yeah and look i mean everything is quite frankly done on a case-by-case basis right now and always we're looking to make money we want to help people out as much as we can but if somebody doesn't have enough money for a deposit and we've got an open bed and we think they're going to be a good client we'll take them so it's that simple in other cases i mean a couple of weeks ago this is on a higher end sober home property well, i think we took like a 1500 dollars deposit but it was for a private room so
0: that's a rare case that it's that high what's a typical one it's just like a first month right
1: on the lower end homes it's going to be 250 on the higher rentals it's going to be about 450 to 550 but again it just depends on the bed that we're renting out
0: and again these are the cases where it's a tenant either like self-paying in that higher end home or maybe it was like a family member or something like that yes or if it's somebody paying out of their social security and you're going to be, you know, sending them to that third party rep to handle the payments. Or in like some cases that are great, right? You're getting paid by nonprofits that are just handling everything. and Yes,
1: which we love.
0: And they'll just kind of let you know, you know, what their rates are and what the deposit is going to be. And in most of the cases, that's going to be more than your typical asking price, correct?
1: That is accurate.
0: Cool so those were the most four common ones so like as you can see there's a if people are just listening for the first time they probably have a ton of other questions check out our youtube check out all our podcasts and we really try to go through everything in detail through the gold course and you could tell by you know those questions are they're great questions but they're just kind of little things that, that could be confused when you're going through the course and like the thing on the the insurance is it's just a really simple answer <laughs> so we mm-hmm. you know there's no way to do like a detailed video on insurance so it would just confuse everybody so like i said one of the really cool things it was just kind of a little bonus that we wanted to do for our gold course members was create a private group but over the past couple months this thing has really grown and has kind of taken off we're getting like a ton of really good ideas and content that are coming just from from our members doing things like that we've never even thought of so i'm going to go through here and just see if i can find some some good questions or topics that have come up so this is a good one this is from terry who is just getting started out and they are wondering what are some good intake screening questions that you can ask your tenants or the caseworker that's calling for the tenant. (laughs)
1: yeah it's pretty easy how much money do you get per month you know I pay by myself I work no hang up gone you're gone that's the easiest way to intake people I mean if they don't sound like they're gonna pay you hang up on them. you don't want to waste your time the easiest way of screening them is are you on SSI or are you on SSDI if they are then keep talking to them if they're not you know nine times depending on your model hang up on them.
0: This is kind of a common theme in the group. If you follow our model and what's in the gold course, we recommend get your leads from nonprofits, social service organizations in your area. So hopefully you're going to be talking to a caseworker.
1: Yeah, Uh, but they're going to pay the bill.
0: Yeah, and then they're basically, they're just going to kind of talk to you about the situation and they're going to be up front and let you know what's going on. So it's not going to be like you don't have to ask them a ton of questions but if you are talking to a person directly or a family member that's kind of the the main thing you want to find out and as you can hear the best way is to just be direct be yeah, direct, be direct. And honest. don't
1: yeah be direct be honest don't screw around don't beat around the bushes i mean if you guys set up a website you're not going to have time to beat around the bushes now i don't understand Why half these people don't have websites? I mean, if you want to set them up on your own and go screw around and waste six, seven, eight, nine months, and no joke, that is what it has taken a lot of our clients to do, clients that have gone with other companies, or just go with us and we'll get you a website for dang near nothing and we can have it up in a couple of weeks. But once you have your website, your phone's gonna be ringing off the hook, you will not have time to waste. If your phone is ringing every 20 seconds, you don't have time to have long conversations with people. How are you doing? Are you doing okay? All that other riffraff. I mean, you got to be really direct to the point. Of, hey, nice to meet you. I'm with so and so group home company. Yeah, let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you on SSI or SSDI? It's that simple.
0: Yeah. And the reason for that is ideally what we think, what we do, what we recommend is you want to get guaranteed payments you don't wanna chase 10 to 15 people down on, at each property to pay you on the first. These people, if they're in this type of housing, chances are it's because they don't qualify for traditional housing, and there's gonna be a reason for that. Yep. And, you know, use your imagination on all the scenarios. But honestly, we have a couple people in the group that only have like one or two properties. There is a huge demand for affordable housing. And they work with primarily self-pay residents, which is... Yeah, and,
1: and we've sent out a number of emails on this. There are a million co-living companies out there based out of Silicon Valley and elsewhere that are making a lot of money doing that. Personally, mm-hmm. I just don't like that model. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. We do have self-pay people primarily on the sober home side of the business, but government guaranteed payments are really the best because you know you're going to get paid
0: anybody who's worked in property management will understand why but if you get a couple of group homes three or four of them with all self-paying individuals you will quickly realize why we recommend going our route
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah you don't want to deal with that
0: well back to that so obviously you have to find out how they're getting paid and how you're going to get paid and then what else it's just about kind of going over the house rules and making sure that they're okay with that right
1: yeah, that's after you move them in. I mean, really, the most important thing is how do you get paid? You know, I'm, I'm self-pay. I have a job. I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm not interested in working with you. I'm just not. I mean, that's the. I know it sounds rude, but that's the God's honest truth. And then after that, you know, if you find out that they're on SSI, SSDI, okay, cool. Let's talk about you for a little bit. And then you can kind of get to know them. Oh, well, I've got a care dog or what do they call them, service animals or something like that now? Okay, that's fine if you accept pets, which we don't. But then you come to find out that they've got a pit bull. Like, you don't want to take that risk. By the way, your insurance company doesn't want you taking that risk either. So, okay, you're gone. I mean, you just use your brain, common sense. Now, granted, common sense isn't that common, but just use your head. I mean, it's real simple screening questions.
0: And I, I think it's Johnny who's in the group. He asked a question about, hey, is no smoking. Is that going to be okay with you? That alone weeds out a lot of people.
1: It does, and you don't want smokers in your house. Now, I can tell you, like, because I've been dealing with this demographic for 20 years, all these people smoke, and <laughs> they're going to smoke. So, what you got to just make sure of is that they're not smoking in your house. Now, I'm here to tell you also that unless you stay on it, they will smoke in your house. So, you got to have good, tough-minded people that are your house managers that are going to enforce the house rules.
0: So we have a great question here. Franco is new to the group, opening their first home in October. Hopefully they listen to this podcast because a couple of the questions will be answered. (laughs) And this kind of relates to like the rules, you know, do you impose a curfew? Does anyone have a list of house rules that they can use? Franco, check our license agreement. That will have that. They ask about insurance, but like... Maybe on the house rules, maybe we can cover some of those. Like, Do you impose a quiet hours?
1: Yeah, we do. Bear with me real quick, guys. We do, and we try to enforce it. But, Brandon, look, you worked over at an apartment complex, right? Yeah. And you have rules over there. I mean, unfortunately, you can't enforce every single rule. I mean, you can try to be North Korea, but even North Korea can't do it.
0: Well, it really comes down to like, if it's a problem. So if somebody is coming home at like three in the morning and they're, they're making a lot of noise and the quiet hours are 10, that's when those house rules are enforced. Yes. Hopefully it's just a, you know, a verbal warning, but if it's anything after that, that's when you're going to need to, um, you know, enforce that license agreement. That's what we have it there for. You want to run a tight ship.
1: You do. Yeah. You've got to run a tight ship and you got to stay on top of things, but you also have to realize that you can't stay on top of everything.
0: Yeah. Let's just look for the problems. Solve the problems. <laughs> Weed out the bad apples and you know, things should go pretty smoothly. It's kind of counterintuitive, but this the operation, these types of things will run smoother than like your typical property management. The reasons being you have, you know, way more control over the property. You can have a supervisor there. You can go and check on the property really anytime you want in theory. But how often do you have to do that?
1: Well, I I mean, I don't do it. I haven't been to these things (laughs) forever. I mean, I don't know. The last time I went to one of the properties was with you, you know, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago when we were video recording that one place. But that's really the extent of it
0: you have a lot more control, you're getting guaranteed payments, you have your house rules. If you have a rental property or an apartment complex, you have no idea what the people are doing in, in your properties.
1: You what? don't, you don't. And that's why you find out that, I mean, some of these guys that are setting up meth labs and growing marijuana and everything else, they're going over and renting, renting places at, at apartment complexes.
0: Oh, yeah. Where I started my foray into real estate was in property management. And this is what I tell everybody that's kind of worried about, well, what happens? You know, our people argue or if they break the rules or, hey, if you're dealing with people, there's going to be issues. The property I worked at, Building 8, was brand new, newer than all the other buildings because it previously blew up from a meth lab exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah. There were shootings, stabbings, muggings, drunken conduct, people coming into the office threatening us. And this was a rehab nice property with qualified renters. So yep. definitely things can go wrong here, but you at least have the protection of more control, not needing to go through the eviction process, getting guaranteed payments and and everything like that.
1: And importantly, You've got your house manager in the house on a daily basis. He's the pit it, boss or potentially she, right? I mean, if it's, yeah, a, so it's an all-female house, I mean, you, you might have a real real tough woman in there that's running the show. And nine times out of ten, these people really enjoy that type of job.
0: Yeah, and the people living there need it, prefer they it. They need
1: it, man. They really do need it, Yes.
0: And if you are worried about that, there's extra things that you can do, which again, we get from this group. You know, you can do security cameras, you can yep. get creative with the locks, locker rooms. Another great question from Franco, and then then we'll wrap it up and I'll let you get going, Andy. But again, okay. it's another common question, which I just recommend people don't worry about with your first property because it's not required. But well, do you offer meals to your residents?
1: In some properties we do, in some properties we don't. Frankly, I recommend no meals. And the answer is, you know, when you say, well, why? It's actually very simple because meals cost money <laughs> and, and it takes time, right? I mean, if you're going to the grocery store, I mean, we have, you know, just for sake of argument, in one side of the business, I want to say where we're providing meals, there's probably 150 beds or something. That's a lot of shopping that has to get done.
0: And I'll kind of clarify that. It's not you're not providing meals you're not providing cooks and like a Correct, buffet yes. and yep. like a menu but it's really a nice amenity that you offer to the homes with the for the most part they're functioning adults so they don't yeah they're, the home and prepared. they're typically
1: going to be yeah they're lower functioning which is why we do it you know is one of the reasons why we have a really good reputation because we do do that we go over and beyond what we should be doing but it does cost money you know a lot of people would say why don't you do what some of the other operators do and there are a lot of other operators and what they do is they gather up all their people and they take them over to the food pantries we could do that but we just haven't never done it and we did it for a little bit but we just never turned it into a, a routine but there's a lot of nonprofits out there that will provide the food whether it's meals on wheels whether it's the food pantries at the local churches, there's a lot of options. So you can provide food and not have to pay for it, but you're going to have to put some systems into play that we haven't necessarily put into play.
0: The majority of the people in this type of position are probably on food stamps, so they have that. Yes,
1: correct, and they've all got food stamps, yeah.
0: It's a nice amenity that you offer to folks that maybe don't have food stamps or are only trying to stretch like kind of on the low end. like. $800 per month, you know, this is like Mm -hmm. kind of their last resort. Yes. So great amenity for people like that. And like he mentioned, 150 beds we're buying in bulk and we're getting from, you know, just like ramen, you know, your canned goods. Go
1: country uh, fair. Yeah. We're not spending, I mean, I think I haven't checked for a long time because As you guys kind of know, I mean, the margins are so good. I don't really have to have to check that much, but I think our goal back in the day was about 6750 per person. I know it's gone up now because obviously there's a lot of inflation kicking in. So I don't know what we're, what we're averaging on a per person basis at the moment, but probably 10 years ago we were at about 6750 per person.
0: (laughs) I like to be conservative. When I talk to people, I tell them that it's just under a hundred bucks but (laughs) as you can see, we don't over-exaggerate things. (laughs) But again, you're buying in bulk. It's just a nice amenity. It's not required and not recommended if you're just kind of getting your first property set up because you can go way over budget very easily. So man, there's a ton of other like questions and topics in here. We'll we'll have to do this a little more often.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's definitely do it again. I I actually just pulled in here to the title company and maybe you can tell everybody that story it's kind of crazy i mean the wires are not working haven't been working for the last three days
0: (laughs) yeah so and as usual this is for it's one of your rental properties right
1: well this is something that i had lent on and we sold it Or the guy that i lent the money to he sold and so i'm picking up my check basically
0: yeah nine Um, times out of ten if you have a headache during the day it seems like it comes from your rental properties
1: yeah, no, this is definitely not, not a headache. It's just a weird thing where the Bank of America wires are down and have been for the last three days, which I find very odd because I've experienced the same thing with Chase. And so it kind of makes you second guess the stability of our financial system, which is another reason to own these group homes because these things cash flow, they make a lot of money and people could say, well, what happens when the SSI payments you know, are not hitting? Let me tell you what: when the SSI payments are not hitting, and the Section Eight payments are not hitting, you're going to have a lot bigger fish to be frying.
0: That'd be the last things to not hit. So if that does happen, then it's probably time to take all the yeah, run for, run for the
1: hills at that point. Run for the hills. Hopefully, you have a bunker. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but until then, in my personal opinion, I mean, the money printing machine, whether it's in Venezuela, Zimbabwe, or the United States. It's going to keep going out. People are going to keep getting those SSI payments, the SSDI payments. Their EBT cards are going to be flush with cash because if they're not, you're going to see if you think it's bad right now, just <laughs> just wait. So anyways, that that's another reason why I'm a big advocate for these group homes. All
0: right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Andy, to All the listeners out there, if you have any questions or any topics you would like for us to cover, reach out to us. If you are a Gold Course member, make sure to join this group because like I said, it's a great place to network, great place to chat with these topics with people that are in the same position as you or may have group homes. You may find people in your area to network with and we really get a ton of good ideas from our members, you could be doing the same thing. If you're not a Gold Course member and you are interested in starting a group home, sign up for the Gold Course. Right now it's only $179. We have a ton of information in there, really everything that you need to get your home started, and we're here for support as well if you have any questions along the way. So yeah, go sign up. Sign up for the free mailing list if you haven't done that. And we look forward to working with you.
1: Cool. Thanks, guys.